One of my favorite discipleship tools, Megan was talking about tools. One of my favorite discipleship tools um, that I use almost every day is scripture memorization. Um, as part of my daily devotion, I have, over the years, I've accumulated almost five, and I think I've told you this before, almost 500 uh, verses of scripture. And every week, I, um, I recite that list, or I try to, in order to refresh my memory and to remember why those verses were put on my memory list in the first place, because they're not just there randomly. Now, as I say that, I realize that sounds kind of arrogant, doesn't it? Well, I've got 500 verses memorized. How many do you have memorized, Courtney? Um, it does sound kind of arrogant, doesn't it? And I'm telling that to you to illustrate the fact, if you hadn't already known it, that your pastor can be kind of arrogant and prideful sometimes. And I, I confess that to you. In fact, I remember a story once. I was at church camp of all places. And um, the kids were off doing something. And so it was just us adults. I was hanging out with some of my friends. And, and um, I decided I was going to wow my friends with my scripture memorization skills. So um, I, I quoted whatever the scripture was. And this friend of mine, she is a really good friend of mine, she, she pointed out to me, she said, Craig, you know, you can be kind of arrogant sometimes. And then... She topped that off by pointing out the fact that I had actually quoted the scripture wrong, which <laughs> popped that balloon real quick. Now, I'll confess to you that arrogance and pride is a bad thing, but memorizing scripture is a good thing, right? Right? And it's a very good thing. But I share all of that with you this morning to illustrate the fact that sometimes good things can actually be, become bad when we use them with wrong intention or with bad motives, right? Even good things can become bad depending on the why that you do them with. So this morning, as we um, continue in our sermon series on discipleship, we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture, at one verse of Scripture actually, but the entire passage that, um, that requires us to ask the question why of it. Because if we don't ask the question why, we will soon find ourselves kind of veering off the path as Christian disciples. This, this, this series on discipleship is intended to help us to grow to be more like Jesus. But And as we grow to become more like Jesus, what we do is we study Scripture, correct? But if we don't know the why behind the Scripture we will soon find ourselves not being or reflecting Jesus at all. So this morning, that's what I want us to do. As we, especially as we look at this particular passage of Scripture, I want us to focus on the question why as, re, as it relates to this passage, but then use it as a reminder to ask the whys in everything that we do as Christians as well. Can we do that? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Romans chapter 14. And as you're doing that, and if you don't have your Bibles, take out your phone, okay? We've talked before about if you don't, everybody's got a phone. If you don't have a, a Bible app on your phone, try to get one because it's good. To, you'll carry your phone with you everywhere. And if you have a Bible app, you can use it and you can look things up. If, if you have some arrogant pastor try to quote a scripture for you sometime, you can look it up and say, ah, oh, he was wrong. You know, just have your Bibles ready. Have it at hand, however, whatever form you have. Um, we're in the book of Romans today. And um, the book of Romans, as you know, is actually a letter written to the church of Rome back in the day, some 2,000 years ago. 
Now, the church of Rome back in early Christianity was created or was made up of a whole variety of different kinds of people from different backgrounds and cultures. There were some people, in, that's like every church uh, in the early days of Christianity, by the way. There was nothing unique about uh, the church in Rome necessarily. They were all filled with people with different cultures and backgrounds, unlike most churches today. We're more homogenous, I guess you could say. In the Church of Rome, you had people that, were, that had grown up not believing in anything. And there were also people who had grown up as Jews. And then there was another group of people who had grown up very religious, but they had spent their lives worshiping idols. For example, one of the, the groups of people that were in the Roman church were people that had grown up worshiping the idol or the false goddess Diana. Maybe you've heard of Diana. And what they did, one of the things, one of their practices, their religious practices in the temple of Diana was to sacrifice animals. That wasn't necessarily unusual for religions back then. Um, and what they would do, you've probably heard me talk about this before, uh, what they would do with those animals, with the meat from those animals that they had sacrificed during worship. After, after worship, they would go out behind their place of worship and they would sell the meat to who would ever buy it. It was probably as like a fundraiser for a building project or something, Randy. <laughs> so, and guess what? Some of the people that would buy this meat that had been sacrificed to the false goddess Diana were some of those Christians that were attending the church there in Rome. And it called, caused quite a kerfuffle. Is that a word? I may have just made that up, Lisa. I don't know. There are, people, there are some people in the church in Rome that were, they were upset because some Christians in that church were eat, buying and then eating meat that had been sacrificed to a false god. And probably the ones that were most upset, my guess is, is the ones that had grown up in, in the uh, worshiping the false god Diana, right? Because they're going... What are you doing? We finally got away from that, and here you are worshiping or eating meat that has been sacrificed to, to an idol. What's that all about? Well, it's into that kind of conflict that the apostles... You understand why you understand? You need to understand why? Because you heard Hope read Romans 14, 17 to you a moment ago, and it meant something to you at that moment different than what it will mean to you right now. Because listen, with all of that as background, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, the kingdom of God, this is exactly what Hope said, right? The kingdom of God is not about what you eat or what you drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, for those of you that are making this into a big deal that are, that are creating conflict in the church because somebody is eating meat sacrificed to a false god. It's just meat. It's not a big deal what you eat or what you drink, unless you're watching your cholesterol, right? It's not, that's not what's important. What is important, did he say? The kingdom of God is about what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, was there anything wrong with the people who had grown up 
worshiping the goddess Diana, saying, I'm not going to eat meat that is a, a sacrifice to the goddess Diana. Is there anything wrong with that? Not a thing wrong with that. Because if it was something that would cause them to stumble, if it was a problem for them, they shouldn't do it. But what Paul was trying to say is, just because it's a problem for you, don't try to lay that act of discipleship, if that's what you want to call it, don't try to lay that on other people if that's not their deal. Remember to keep the main thing the main thing. And what was the main thing? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's stop right there for just a second and talk about that stuff. The why behind righteousness, peace, and joy. You think, oh no, we don't need to do that. I know what righteousness, peace, and joy is all about. Well, do you? Huh. Well, if you think you do, just kind of bear with me, all right? Because you may learn something. Let's start with joy. Who, who doesn't want more joy in their life, right? Joy is a good thing. You can find joy in all kinds of things and in all kinds of relationships. But what, what the Apostle Paul was trying to say is that if you're really looking for ultimate joy, you find ultimate joy in the relationship you have with God through the Holy Spirit. You can find it in other places, but what you will discover is that it's fleeting. You are more than welcome to try to find joy in your family. But you may have already discovered that oftentimes the joy you try to find in your family is fleeting. You are more than welcome to find joy in your favorite television show. But they'll cancel it and it'll be fleeting. If you try to, if you find your joy in Jesus through the Holy Spirit, it's available to you always. Who doesn't want more peace? Everybody wants more peace, right? But have you ever noticed that if you're looking for peace in your circumstance, talk about fleeting. Well, what, what, what the Apostle Paul's trying to teach us here is that it's possible to find peace even when your life is a mess, even when everything is chaotic. There is an opportunity for you to find peace in your relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not um, circumstance dependent, it's relationship dependent. See the difference? How about righteousness? What is righteousness? Righteousness is the desire to live a good life. That's a good thing, right? But listen to me. If it's your desire to live a good life and you're just trying to do it in and of yourself, guess what? You are going to be frustrated all the time because you aren't that good. You're just not. The Bible says you're a sinner. And so am I. So if you will constantly be frustrated by your desire to live a righteous life, if you're doing it by yourself. On the other hand, if you are desiring to live a righteous or a good life through the relationship you have with God's Holy Spirit, it changes everything. And that doesn't mean you're going to be righteous all the time, but you, you'll find out that the root of it all is in the relationship you have with God that doesn't ever change. Remember the most important stuff. The kingdom of God. What, what, to say it another way, he's saying, What's really important when you find yourself getting hung up on a whole bunch of stuff that gets you all anxious and frustrated, 
just remember what's really important, what the kingdom of God is really, what God wants for you as his kids is for you to be righteous and to experience peace and joy. How? In a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Simple, authentic Jesus. Hey, Randy. Do you remember, did, were you living in Pella back in the 80s? Yes, sir. Lisa, were you living in, in Pella in the 80s? Around. Around there. So you guys may remember this. My wife, Lisa, and I um, went to school at Central College in Pella, Iowa. Go Dutch! <laughs> back in the 80s, which makes us really old, I know that. Um, when we were, but back in Pella during the 80s, um, on Sundays, it's probably changed now, but back in the 80s in Pella on Sundays, everything was shut down except for the churches, right? And the reason why everything in Pella during the 80s, probably long before that too, was shut down on Sundays was because the city fathers made a rule that nobody in Pella, Iowa would, would, would work on Sunday mornings. Why? In order to honor the fifth commandment, which is... Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't work on Sundays. Now, as a college student, I hated that because there were some Sunday nights when I was having a hankering for a little duffer. Remember the little duffer? It was the only fast food place in Pella back in the 80s. And I couldn't have one, but I respected the fact that they didn't have anything open on, on Sundays because they were trying to do what they thought was right. I respected that. I have since learned, however, that what they thought was right was actually wrong. For example, I didn't know when I was in college that Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Did you know that? Now, what does that mean? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Basically, what he was trying to say is that... Um, the reason why God gave us the fifth commandment is because he loves you. Okay. The why behind the fifth commandment is because God loves you. You see, what we human beings fail to grasp sometimes is that in order for us to be healthy, physically healthy, in order for us to be in healthy relationships, in order for us to be the most effective, efficient, and productive human beings as we can possibly be, we scientifically require rest. Did you know that? You see, without boundaries, what we human beings will do oftentimes is we'll just go, 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 go until we just crash. So what God did was he said, listen, I'm going to give you some boundaries that are, that are for you because I love you. Keep the Sabbath day holy. You need to rest. That's a good thing. The act or the discipline of not working on Sunday is a good thing. The city fathers of Pella, Iowa back in the 80s weren't wrong for saying don't work on Sundays unless they misinterpreted the act or the discipline for more important than the why, was more important than the why. See, if the only reason why you do something is because you, you think you're supposed to do something, 
That's a stupid reason. If you don't know the why, you miss out on everything. And then you end up doing things that don't make any difference. You need to understand the why as a Christian. Every time you find, as we are growing as disciples, and you read things in the Bible, and you begin applying them to your lives, one of the first questions you must always ask is the why. What is the purpose? And once you've, once you've got to the bottom of what the purpose is, what you will find is you're, each time you're getting just a little closer and closer to the person that God created you to be. You'll become more and more clear reflection of, of Jesus is what you're supposed to be. And it all begins by asking why. Let's pray. Lord, um, that sounds very simple, and it is. I know it is. Um, but I also know that sometimes in order to find the why, you have to dig deep. And that's not always simple. But that's one of the reasons why we gather together as the body of Christ, because it's together that we can, that we can learn and discover those things. It's one of the reasons why when we, as we gather together, we can... The Bible says it's like iron sharpens iron, one Christian sharpens another. And um, it's in the midst of that living together and discerning the whys that we become a more clear reflection of you. Help us to do that every day, Lord. And if there are things, if there are practices or acts of discipleship that, that help us to become more like you, let us give ourselves to those practices, to those disciplines. And anything that, that kind of hinders that, that um, desire to be righteous and peace, filled with peace and joy, anything that kind of directs us away from you, let us be directed away from it. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for, for being patient with us and helping us to grow, to become more like you so that we might be better vessels of reflecting your love and your grace and your hope and your salvation to a world that needs you desperately. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.